Hello, Fried fans, and welcome to Season 4 of Fried, the Burnout Podcast. I'm your host, Kate Donovan, and my mission with Fried is to hashtag end burnout culture. On this pod, we end burnout culture by sharing stories of people who have been through it all, sharing expert tips from the best in the burnout field, sharing hashtag straight from Kate episodes with my own expertise and some fun research now that I'm a student again, plus sharing actionable steps to help you end burnout starting today. If you're feeling burnt out right now and you need personalized guidance, you can book a free breakthrough burnout call with me. You'll find the link bit.ly backslash call Kate in the show notes. Also, if you love fried and want to be part of our community, we'd love to have you. Just head over to Facebook and type in fried the burnout podcast discussion and click to join our group. It's a place for continued healing, deeper conversations and connections with people who just get it. And now for this week's episode. Hello, Fried fans. Welcome back to another episode of Fried the Burnout Podcast. Today, we are going to talk about one of my very favorite things. You know how people ask sometimes if you're like um, a morning bird or a night owl? I'm neither. I like to go to bed early and sleep in. I'm a big, big fan of sleep. And today we're talking to Riley Jarvis, who is the founder and owner of The Sleep Consultant, which is an organization that helps CEOs, entrepreneurs, and other high achievers, <clears throat> that's you people, skyrocket their performance and become fully optimized with individualized scientific lab testing to become more productive, more creative, build better relationships, and ding, 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 stop being so stressed. Riley, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Kate, for having me on. It's an honor. I'm so excited to get into sleep, but before yeah. we get into how to do sleep better, yeah, we need to get into your story. What happened to you? What was your burnout like? And this, mm -hmm. is, this is a good one, you guys. So put your ears <laughs> on and let's dig in. Yeah. So it's really interesting. Everyone has their own story where it all started, right? And especially for us health type coaches, it's kind of our own story that inspired us to start helping other people. So for me, it started about 10 years ago. So when I first went to school, I went to school for finance, kind of followed my dad's footsteps. I wasn't hundred percent sure if that's something I actually wanted to do. Once I graduated, I got into, you know, investment banking, private equity, some of this stuff and the hours were crazy. I mean, they really push you to the grindstone. I was working like 10 to 12 to sometimes 18 hour days. It was just nonstop. And every, I mean, it's, it's a dog eat dog world and it's kind of the top 1% survive and you can be cut. So it was just go, go, go. But before I knew it, I mean, I was in my early twenties at the time and, uh, I started just getting fatigue. I couldn't keep up. I was drinking tons of coffee and I didn't know what was going on. Long story short, short, I ended up just uh, having, I was being forced to quit my job just because I couldn't keep up with the demand anymore. Ended up going to the doctor because my stomach was just, just out of sync. Any of the foods I was eating just couldn't be digested. Turns out I had Crohn's disease and uh, it was pretty severe too. And I had a lot of inflammation inside the MRI scanner, the colonoscopy and everything showed that. And the side effects from the medication that they were giving me were making me feel actually worse. And I was losing weight. Um, I was bedridden. I just, I was forced to, forced to quit some of this course in my school at the time. And I really hit rock bottom, completely burnt out. I didn't know what to do. Um, doctors who I relied on couldn't give me any answers and doctors are amazing. 
And I just felt like my back was up against the wall. So I really had to take health into my own hands, become my own doctor. And it was from this place that I started researching for hours upon hours a day, like how do I improve my health? And I also started seeing functional medicine doctors, private medicine doctors around the world. And fast forward five years later, I put my Crohn's into a complete remission, uh, you know, over the last five years. I'm helping people with their like sleep was that kind of the X factor is what I say that kind of brought all the pieces of the puzzle together, but is looking at all these different systems inside of my body. Like my hormones were completely flatlined. I had no cortisol output, my neurotransmitters, like no wonder I couldn't focus. I had no dopamine left, you know, just all these things that came together with tons of gut parasites. And so it was really through this and sleep that my body was able to naturally recover. Once you give your body the right inputs, it'll give you the right outputs. Um, so here I am now, doctors don't know why, but the last five years, Crohn's and uh, yeah, complete remission. I love that. And I wish I had, um, I wish I had a soundboard for my podcast so I could like do like a cheer, <laughs> you know, like I wish I could press a button and have it be like, Ooh, crowd goes wild. You know? um, yeah, and I don't have one of those, but that was how I felt when you said that I have treated people oh, with acupuncture, with Crohn's disease yeah. and without even acupuncture is extremely helpful for Crohn's, but without yeah. really focusing on all the dietary things that right. you need to do, it's, it's really hard to make any progress. I once had a patient who um, told me that they would prefer to eat McDonald's every day and just let acupuncture fix it. And I was like, acupuncture <laughs> is amazing, but it's not yeah. that amazing. Like I can't right. fight, I can't fight the damage that you're doing. Exactly. Yeah. It's just, there's more fires and you're, you're putting it out, but eventually the extingu extinguishers go out. Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that you said that I want to talk about right away, because this is something that is very misunderstood in the world of stress, stress, stress management, burnout, all of it. You said my cortisol levels were really low. Now yeah. this is super common, but what yes. we read on Instagram and everywhere else is that like, if you're stressed, your cortisol levels are high. So can you yeah. talk about that for a minute? And, and we'll, we'll get into sleep from that, but I think that that's yeah. a really important point. For sure. Yeah. Cortisol is really known as that master hormone. It sometimes has a bad rap. Like if we have high cortisol, it's bad, but what actually happens is so cortisol really comes from our adrenal glands. There's all these other things involved, but in layman's terms, it's really comes from, you know, our adrenal glands and we could, we, we usually pump out, um, so much per day. So we can think of it like on a scale from like, let's say our baseline levels in an ideal healthy state is at a level zero. And if we get stressed, it'll go up to plus one. If we're not stressed enough, it might go down to minus one. And this is what our normal range is. But when we get, when we're taking in coffee, we're overworking, we're burning the candle from both ends, it'll go to plus two, minus two, plus three, minus three. And it keeps going and it's way beyond what our body's naturally capable of. And if we're sacrificing it from somewhere, it's in our body is going to be have, having a sacrifice from somewhere else. So from all this excess um, output of the cortisol, surely, slowly, but surely it's like whipping a tired horse and it just can't go anymore. And, and then eventually our cortisol levels start to go down more and more and more. And this is where you get into like adrenal dysfunction, uh, level one, two, three. And eventually, I mean, there is a disease state, which can eventually lead to death on the extreme, extreme end, but on a more functional state, that's what it can go come down to. Yeah. And I think it's important to, to let people know that, like you said, cortisol is not necessarily a bad thing when you cortisol yeah. is actually designed to protect your body. Yes. When you're stressed, like that's really important. So it's supposed to go up when you're stressed, but not, mm -hmm. it's not like you're stressed. So your cortisol is high and that's bad. No, cortisol yeah. goes up. Your body uses it 
to mm. enhance your survivability. And yes. then it goes down after. But the thing about there's two different hormones that go up immediately when you're stressed, right? We have the combination of, of adrenaline and noradrenaline, and then we have cortisol. And yep. adrenaline and noradrenaline go back to their baseline like within hours. Cortisol yeah. takes weeks. So yeah. what happens over time is you've gone down for weeks, but then you had another stressor. So you're like still under the hill and then you have another stressor. So it goes yeah. a little lower. And at yeah. some point it just can't friggin' recover. Exactly. So, yeah. so that's a really, that's a really important thing I think to discuss. And it's related to sleep and we will get to that, but I, I just want people to know that cortisol is, is not like your enemy. Mm-hmm. And it might not be high. I think yes. that this is sometimes I think when cortisol is high on a long term basis, which can happen, it mm-hmm. tends to lead to people that have burnout that is more like anxiety ridden. And yes. then people that have low cortisol tend to have burnout that's more like on the depressive scale. Exactly. Yep. Right? That's just it. Yep. So I yeah. think that, that that's important. So so you figured out during this time, you're going through all these massive health changes. You're young as hell. Yes. <laughs> but, you know, Very, you barely uh, started working. Yeah. And your body was like, hell no. Yeah. Can't do it. Can't and just, do it. Can't go anymore. And it was really burning the candle from both ends. And they, yeah. and as a result of that, and we can get into this is like my testosterone levels were that of a, I think it was like a six-year-old man when I was in yeah. my early twenties, it was like, well, and you just see how it's related to so many things and no system in our bodies in isolation, they all correlate. So when one starts to break apart one weak link, it's the rest of these weak links. And we have all these different forms of metabolic chaos in our body. Yeah. Yeah. And so you figured out during this time that you had to, you know, you did some functional testing, you're taking different supplements, you're doing all of these, you're changing your diet, but the X factor is sleep. Why, why did you think that? Sleep was, so I did so much self-experimentation on myself. I like, I have old pictures of my supplement graveyard. It was just like shelves upon shelves of supplements. And I didn't know why I was taking it. I just went, you know, to my local GNC store and the guy said, yeah, this is really good. This is really good. Sure enough, I had like one, one thing of every single one. Um, I didn't know why I was taking it in the right order. And so anyway, um, sure enough, I finally came down to sleep. Like, let's try this few weeks, really getting my sleep down, started focusing on the sleep. And then sure enough, it's like, wow, I starting to have more energy. Let's try this again, more energy. And it just, I got a taste of what that felt like. And I just wanted more of it. And it became this positive addiction. And before I knew it, it was like, oh my God, things are moving in the right direction. My, uh, test, the lab testing was showing everything was moving in the right direction. So I knew I was onto something. And you're saying you're talking about, you know, sort of focusing on sleeping more and then seeing some results. Yeah. And there are people out there that are like, I'd love to focus on sleeping more, but I can't yeah. freaking sleep. <laughs> yes, that's that's definitely a tough one. So what I say for those people, and that's, you know, with a lot of like CEO types, entrepreneur types, they just don't have hours in the day. And it's like, why would I sleep one more hour when I get one more hour of productivity of stuff done? Um, you know, in that sense, what I tell them is this, what about if we could actually hack the sleep that you are getting? So let's say you only want to sleep six hours where those deep sleep cycles are just so rejuvenative, give you so much rejuvenation inside of your body that you just wake up with an abundance of energy compared to if you slept eight or nine hours, because it's about quality, not quantity. So, and then as a result, you don't, not in my body. (laughs) A little different. If I'm not in between eight and nine hours of sleep, I don't yeah. care how well I slept. I am a sleeper. I've always needed a lot of sleep ever since I was gotcha. a baby. I'm a sleeper. Oh, interesting. 
Do not give me, do not even tempt me with six hours of sleep because I'm <laughs> <run> the other way. <laughs> <laughs> That's a big part too of it too, right? Because it's it's all genetic at the end of the day. Yeah. So when you're saying like hack your sleep and make your sleep more productive, like can I mean, I don't I'm I'm gonna be honest, I don't know that I have faith in the fact that you can sleep and get just as much out of six hours as you can eight. So talk to me about that a little more. Teach, teach me things I don't know. Absolutely. So eight is for for sure always going to be better than six. But like these are kind these are for the kinds of people who do not have time at all to sleep eight hours. It's it's giving them hope. Like, look, we can make it so your six hours of sleep can be fully optimized. So we're getting a hundred like the best output we can for the resources that you currently mm, have. But in all cases, you know, eight between seven to nine hours is, is best and ideal for everybody. Cause we need those full sleep cycles, which go in 90 minute sleep cycles. We need about four or five of those to feel fully recovered for both the deep sleep aspect, which is our body restoration. And then the REM sleep aspect, which is our mind consolidating memories, all that stuff. Pro- doing the percolating. This one, your brain does yes, the percolating. Exactly pulls together all the, all the things you learned during the day tonight, when you sleep, it will be putting together this information, for instance. Exactly. So you're not saying that six hours can get you the same amount as eight. You're saying you can maximize that six. So at least you're getting as much as humanly possible within what you have available to use. That's just it. Yeah. And I would never suggest that somebody who's burnt out, like, yeah, let's just, just go for the six and we'll see what happens. You know, you want the eight to nine hours as much as you can, because your body needs it again for hormones and all these other things. It's, it's so restorative for your, for your mind and body. Yeah. Do you work with a lot of people that are like, I literally don't have the time to sleep? Yeah, that's, that's probably about half of the people that I work with. So this is where, you know, things get interesting and you have to pick apart, you know, like venture capitalist types where they're managing a team is just stressful by the numbers. And they never even knew what sleep was like in their life until they came to see me because the candle was burning from both ends for too long. Like I just have no more energy and coffee's not doing anything for me anymore. Yeah. So to talk about that, why does it happen in your body that coffee does stops functioning? Like it doesn't, it's not able to do what it quote unquote used to. Yeah. So there's two things. So the first one is kind of relating back to the cortisol level. And what caffeine does is it really, it does increase our cortisol and it does increase our adrenaline or adrenaline. And this is what gives us energy. And, you know, cortisol is stimulatory. And that's why when we first wake up, cortisol is at its highest level. And then it's at its lowest level before we go to sleep. But again, if we have a low cortisol output, any caffeine that we put inside of our body, it's not a good, going to get that same cortisol response. So that's one piece. The other piece is, cord, is caffeine um, reduces something inside of our body and inside of our brain called adenosine. Adenosine is really good for uh, making us feel sleepy towards nighttime. Melatonin goes up, adenosine goes up. We start to get that sleepy feeling. And when we drink coffee, it's actually blocking those receptors. So it's not making us feel sleep, but over time we can get this sensor um, receptor desensitization over time. And mm. that can happen too, for some people. Okay. So I love adenosine, the, the adenosine <laughs> caffeine receptor cycle. I think it's yeah, fascinating. It's amazing. Um, yeah, it's really cool. So, so basically there's this molecule and caffeine and this molecule in your brain, both use basically the same receptor sites. This molecule says you're tired, you're tired and caffeine sits in those receptor sites instead of that molecule. So your body doesn't say I'm tired, I'm tired. Right. But over time, those receptor sites can be desensitized. Exactly. Got it. Got it. All right. We need to paraphrase things so that, because these are high level functional medicine ideas. And I want to be sure that everybody 
really understands, has a picture in their brain For sure. of, of what's really happening. So caffeine yeah. can lose its umph over time, but still yeah. ends up affecting your sleep. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. Like, so, so you're sort of like screwing yourself on both ends there. Yeah. But what do you think about napping? Napping's really good. Napping, I say people should do keep it between 25 and 30 minutes because anything more, you're going to a deep, you know, deeper four waves of sleep. And this can make you wake up feeling groggy. And you want to save your naps anytime before 3 p.m. Anytime after 3 p.m. is when you're starting to tap into your nighttime sleep. Um, and then you can't sleep as well. So that's definitely Ooh. one thing to keep in mind. I love those tips. <laughs> yeah, I'm all, I love just the quick actionable, less theory, more, yeah. more just like go right into it. Yeah. So we had the nap queen. Um, oh, cool. Yes. On the show ages ago, her name is Catherine. She's amazing. I'll link to that show in the show notes. And she said, you know, the ideal time for napping is 26 minutes. So it's funny. And I know you're saying yeah. 25 to 30 minutes. She's like, <laughs> the, the ideal time, according to all the research is 26 minutes. And she also mentioned this before 3 PM idea. Oh, interesting. So, so yeah, so but, that's really interesting. Glad we're on the same page. Right? It's fascinating. Yeah. So what about um, when you're burnt out? Mm -hmm. <clears throat> Excuse me. When you're burnt out, you're in this place where it's possible that you have some muscle atrophy, like you're losing muscle mass. Mm -hmm. You're totally fatigued. Mm -hmm. Your sleep isn't restorative. Mm -hmm. And you can't really exercise, right? Because exercise is one of the things in my life that regulates my sleep cycle on the days that I don't get a workout in, I don't sleep as well. I, I know that for sure. But for sure. if you're, if you're unable to exercise, yeah, what the hell, like, what the hell do you do? Where do you start? I know it's, it's so tough because any exercise just make you feel completely exhausted. And yeah. like for some, I mean, it depends what your goals are, but for some, some men, they can't gain any muscle mass just because they're just so burnt out. It's like, what do you do? I was trained to think that exercise was actually good for me. So you're right. Like, what do you do? And this is where you switch it more to very uh, relaxing forms of exercise. So this is where I started switching to yoga mm -hmm. as a form of exercise. And, you know, it's kind of like, it all comes around the, around the right time. I was weightlifting for so long and it was, it was about time that I switched over to yoga. Um, it could be light jogging. It could be forms of stretching. You can all, you can do any form of exercise that's less strenuous on the body and is less taxing to our body and our hormone system and all this other stuff that we have going on. Yeah. Because a serious, like, you know, hit intensive will bust up your cortisol levels again. Absolutely. Yeah. Or if you're doing long distance running for a period of time, um, all that stuff for sure will start to have an effect. Now that doesn't mean that you can never go back to, to that stuff, but you need a period of time that you can allocate to yourself where it could be weeks. It could be months. It could be one or two years to really designate. And then you, then you'll feel, start feeling so much better and your body will have the resources to really go back to where you once were. Yeah. You'll have the desire again. It, I mean, it exactly. took me ages to get the desire again. Um, but once mm -hmm. I got it, we were doing, you know, six days in Northern Finland on cross country skis, hut to oh, hut, wow. like, you know, but, <laughs> but when I was burnt out, like that would have been yeah. absolutely impossible. Impossible. Yeah. How long were you burnt out for? <laughs> Honestly, probably about eight, seven years, six, seven, eight years. Cause Holy I didn't months. know. Right. 
I didn't know that I was burnt out. Like I, yeah. I knew that I didn't feel good. And I, I knew there was some thyroid stuff happening, which was because of the burnout, which I didn't, yeah. you know, I know all the, you know, the, I don't know all, I know a lot of the <laughs> functional medicine basics. Like I'm an acupuncturist, like I should be able to feel good, mm-hmm. you know, and I couldn't feel good and I didn't understand yeah. what was happening. And that was, that was one of the things that sparked me to come back to this and make this the focus of, of everything that I do, because mm-hmm. I had a lot of knowledge, yeah, a lot of knowledge, years and years and master's degrees of knowledge. Wow. And I was like, what's happening? Yeah. Yeah. Like of me, of everybody, why should I be the one that's suffering with all right? this knowledge inside of me? Right. I was so confused and yeah, I didn't know yeah. what burnout was at the time. Mm. I had never really heard of it. Gotcha. I read an article one day and people say this about finding fried now, which I find really fascinating. Mm. I wrote, I read an article one day and I saw it and I was like, I was reading through it and what burnout is in the description. And I was like, oh my God, hmm. that's what's happening to me. And that's hmm. when the healing process started. And I'm I keep sure saying, yeah, yeah, right. I keep saying that yeah. it was five years ago. It wasn't five years ago anymore. It was, it was longer. It was almost seven years ago now. But <laughs> I've, I've been on the doing the podcast for so long, and I always say it was five years ago. I'm like, I've had the <laughs> podcast for like two and a half years. So, um, so it's been a long time now, and and I've since recovered. But I just remember being in that place where I couldn't exercise, and then I was exhausted all friggin' day. And then I would lay down to go to bed and my brain would go, bing, time to think. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I couldn't freaking sleep. Yeah, they come rushing in. I know it's not convenient at all, right? So how do you help people deal with this sort of like tired but wired, which is such a classic burnout symptom? Absolutely. So there's two ways of looking at it. And one of them is doing, it's a long-term approach to everything I'm sure that you and I did towards a recovery. So we're looking at diet, exercise, all these different hidden stressors. But the other piece that you can do is just, you know, temporary temporary things to really help you calm your mind down. And this is where supplements can come in. Do you have a time and place? And they're there to supplement an already good existing diet, lifestyle and everything, but we can use it as, you know, temporary aid. So for example, to really start calming the mind down, in my opinion, it depends if it's coming more of the stress from the mind or more stress from the body. For example, the body, we can use adaptogen herbs. So of course, speak with your doctor, but for example, ashwagandha is a really good one. In Sanskrit, it translates to the power of the horse, which is pretty cool. But it, you know, it goes back to thousands of years. Um, we can use magnesium to really start calming things down. Magnesium is something that's an Epsom salt bass, and this is what our muscles absorb to relax. And there's different forms of magnesium to make us feel relaxed. And there's a form of magnesium called magnesium three and eight that bypasses the blood brain barrier the easiest. Um, and people, you know, with PTSD and things like that, like they take this stuff and it's just amazing the results that they've been able to have. Same with some of my clients too. So that's kind of from that standpoint, standpoint of things. You can also take L-theanine. That's very good. There's GABA. Um, you know, just some of these naturally occurring supplements are really good, but that's kind of how I look at it. We can use these temporary, um, not necessarily band-aids, but things to support us along our journey towards better health, however long that takes. Yeah. So we can use them as a crutch, but when you break your foot and you have crutches, you're not supposed to then use the crutches the rest of your life. Exactly. Yeah. That's just it. Right. So if, so that is sort of like you said, like the, the body-based stuff, but yeah. For me, like my body was exhausted, but my brain was like on fire. Like I was writing chapters of books before I was going because I would lay down and then be like, oh my God, all these really good <laughs> ideas. Ah. 
<laughs> yeah, that's that's really tough. And for for each person, it's a different situ- certain situ- situation. So whether somebody needs meditation, whether somebody needs to really empty their brain and do physical activity, and maybe that's why you need to exercise because it does help with your sleep because it really helps calm your mind down. It, it puts your tank down to empty. Then that's what allows you to sleep. It could be listening to binaural beats. It could be focusing on your breath. It could be all these different modalities. It could be you know a hot shower um, or hot and cold showers really bring things down. There's all these different modalities and the more tools you're aware of in your toolbox, you can whip it out anytime and be like, okay, this is what I need. But anybody who first starts this journey, they don't know what they don't know. And they don't know their body that well. And the more you try, you you start to identify, okay, this works better for me than this other thing. And now, you know, like really what your crutch is that you can start using. Yeah. Cool. And you mentioned binaural beats, which I love. Can you tell people a little bit more about them? Yeah, binaural beats are amazing. So simply put, what it does is it puts your brain into a frequency. Um, it could be it could be relaxation, it could be focus, it could be creativity. There's so many different things. And you can just put in binaural beats in YouTube. But one I recently discovered was brain.fm. And this is amazing. You can get on your phone. Um, I don't know the technology and science that's behind it, but I've been using it for about six months and I get a lot better effects from it than uh, typical binaural beats, but you know, the, the science and, and all these different spaces is, is always expanding. So it's really interesting to see what, you know, the future holds. So what do you said you've been using it for six months? What have you noticed? Um, for me, I'll put it on about 10 minutes. Even if I've had a stressful day and my mind's racing and within 15 minutes, it's lights out. I usually fall asleep with it on my ears. Uh, with headphones on, just got to be careful when I roll over to my side because already <laughs> they almost broke a couple times. So there's that, especially if you're, uh, let's say, I'm also a copywriter too. So if I'm trying to write something, I can't think of the right thing to say. I put these things on and it's just like the ideas are just popping into my mind. Or if it's deep work that I'm really trying to get into, it's like, I only have two hours to hit a deadline. It just puts me into the zone so much faster than if I was to do it without it. I love that. I do listen yeah. um, for for everybody out there. When I write a straight from Kate episode, or if I'm writing a blog post, or when I'm writing my book, I always have binaural beats on in my headphones. Awesome. Yeah. It's I, it's a natural part of my thing because without it, I start checking my phone. Yeah. I open Facebook. I do, <laughs> and then all of a sudden, two hours have passed and I've gotten nothing done. Yeah. It's really such a big help for me. So I'll definitely um, check out Brain FM because I, that sounds like something that I would be. Really, yeah, it's right up your alley for really sure. Really into, yeah, yeah, really into. Yeah. So you went through this process, you learned all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And then when did the, oh, I'm going to start a business around this happen? That's a really good question. So I started getting better and then it started out with family and then it started with my friends locally. And then they started telling their friends, friends, it could have just been a supplement that I suggested to them for stress. Um, and they tried to be like, my mom really liked that. I had a friend who tried that and they thought it was amazing. And then, you know, sleep started coming into the mix and they started saying their sleep was better. And then I just started getting this, this network of clients to, I wasn't even doing any advertising or anything. And then I kind of had a book of, you know, like probably 15, 20 clients. And then I was like, I'm really onto something here. And I noticed in the, in the whole sleep space, a lot of people focused on exercise and diet, but sleep was kind of that missing pillar that nobody talked about. And then the idea just came to me. I think it was probably during a brain.fm session. It was like, <laughs> I could, I could turn this into something. So that's where the sleep consultant came to be. And uh, yeah, it just 
after that, I spread it, spread it internationally. So talking with people online, doing Zoom sessions virtually, because um, we send lab test kits regularly to their house. So it's, it's really turned into this local to international beast. That's really cool. And what's, yeah. what's your um, sleep routine? Uh, good question. So I am a morning lark. So I'm a morning person. It'll be different for every person. Some people are more, 70% of people are actually night owls and 30% are uh, the morning type. So as a morning person, I wake up at about 5.30 AM. Um, and I will drink one liter of water because we, we lose about one liter of water from our breath alone when we first wake up during our sleep. So I'll replenish that. I'll put in some uh, Himalayan sea salt to restore those electrolytes. I do intermittent fasting too. So I usually won't eat anything for the first, you know, four or five, six hours. Uh, side note, it is a stress around the body. So anyone who is stressed, be careful with that. After that, I will wait about 90 minutes to drink my first cup of coffee. Um, this is another pretty cool point your interest listeners might find interesting. And this is kind of new in the science um, because when your, your cortisol levels kind of hit their peak um, after about 90 minutes, and we don't want to have our first cup of coffee um, when it's already sort of at its peak. So we want to wait about 90 minutes when it starts to crest and then we bring in the coffee and this is where we can really get the, uh, the great part from it. But what a lot of people do is right after they wake up, they're already dehydrated. Where do they go to straight to coffee, which is a diuretic, which makes them even more dehydrated. Um, anyway, side note. And so what I do after that is I go to, um, I usually do Wim Hof breathing. I've been doing cold water uh, immersion therapy. So sometimes it might be a cold shower, depending on how much time I have. It's a winter up here in Canada. <laughs> we just got a uh, 50 centimeters of snow, about 20 inches uh, just yes. the other day. So it's been, I love it. it's been great for uh, the cold immersion running outside in minus, uh, you know, 30, 40 set um, Celsius. Um, and then sort of after that, I'll get the day started. So I know for me between 10 and 12 PM is when my, I'm most creative in any 10 and 12 AM, 10 AM to 12 PM. Yeah. Sorry. 10 yeah, to 12 PM. That was, that was a, that was confusing. <laughs> <laughs> 10 AM to 12 PM is where I get my, my best mental faculty. So this is where I'll, you know, be doing copywriting, any ideas when I want to bring be bring in, then I'll, then my afternoon will get started. It's usually where I'll do interviews and helping clients out and that kind of thing. This sounds like the episode of the Huberman podcast that I love so much. Yes. Yeah. That's directly from his great. Yeah. <laughs> great. He's great. eh? Yeah. He's wonderful. Yeah. He's wonderful. So I want everybody to listen to this for a second. And, and you said it was a side note, but I think it's actually extremely important. Mm -hmm. If you're going to have coffee, which cool. If you wait until that, until to drink it until at least an hour and a half after you wake, mm -hmm. you're going with the rhythm of your body instead of fighting it. Yeah. And it will be less of a stressor on your system mm -hmm. if you just wait those 90 minutes. Will that affect sleep later? If you if so, say you have coffee at like, um, because what what I learned on the Huberman podcast and what I have suggested to a client, she's gonna be like, This is me. <laughs> is she is drinking coffee as soon as she wakes up. First thing she does every day, she gets up, she has a coffee, and then between two or three o'clock, she's crashing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So for, for those kind of people, I would say, be very careful on the coffee because it's based on your, your total 
coffee intake and people, you know, they just like it for the sweet, the aroma, the smell when they wake up. So go to decaf if you can, but if you need sort of a gateway between the two, there's a brand called four Sigmatic and they're a mushroom, uh, mushroom type coffee, little caffeine, but they have, you know, um, different cordyceps and different things to really stimulate you that create that same effect, um, lion's mane, and it helps you think and all these different other benefits that are really good as well. Um, but other things you can do, you know, if you are having that afternoon crash, there's different modalities, like having a protein shake and with forms of fat, um, can really help. One other thing is when you do have your coffee, you can combine it with fat. So famously known as bulletproof coffee. And what this can do is, um, slowly release that caffeine throughout the day. So you don't get that crash. I like that. So you think, do you think that those things are related this sort of early morning coffee and this afternoon crash? I think so for sure. Yeah. Because caffeine's half-life, you know, is about seven hours. So by time early afternoon rolls around, plus you eat lunch, it's, if it's one that's high carb load, then you're definitely going to get that crash for sure. Yeah. And so, so then you have, we have, um, really consistently this sort of idea that, you know, I get through my day. I, I know I'm already burnt out. It gets to seven o'clock, like 7 PM and I'm exhausted but I don't want to go to bed because it's 7 PM. So I wait, but then it gets to 9 30 PM and I can't freaking sleep. Exactly. And we get that second win, right? Yeah. And we can't sleep. Yeah. So it re- again, it really depends on people, but to really find what you really want to do is listen to your body, find what your body's natural rhythm is. And you can do it like this is if you can afford to do it, not having an alarm clock whatsoever and testing this for a few weeks and seeing what time does your body naturally get tired without exposing your eyes to blue light. And you can wear blue light blocking glasses um, and seeing what time does it naturally wake up in the morning. One thing you'll find is kind of scary is you'll start waking up the exact minute every single morning. So for example, me, I wake up at 5.33 AM and it's every single morning. It's literally to the minute when I wake up. And I know for me, that's just my body's natural rhythm of doing that. Um, you know, so it's, it's really just playing with that and it's all self-experimentation at the end of the day. But I would say, listen to your gut and your intuition, what it is. Um, for some people though, they are a night owl and they've been, they should adapt to that, but they've been getting up for work early every single morning and their body's not adapted to that. It's just, they've been doing it for so many years that they're just getting used to their new normal. Um, so you really just have to figure out whatever works best in your own schedule. Um, maybe for weekends, you can save it. So you're not using an alarm clock, doing it that way. Um, organizing your, your daily schedule for that. It really just depends. So one of the things that I noticed on your website is that Yes, let's talk about the sleep. And yeah, we can talk about supplements. But instead of guessing what you should need, you're big into the lab tests. Yes, massive into the lab tests. I I really like taking a holistic approach. So we want to test, not guess. There's a lot of people who think they know where they are, but it's sometimes when we do their lab tests, it's actually in a completely different place. Um, and you can just get results so much faster when you see the objective and you see how they feel as well. And of course, you want to do like, how are they feeling as a lead indicator? Um, with each, you know, new modality that we're introducing with lifestyle supplements, diet, all that stuff, but the lab testing can show so much. So for example, like we potentially might have a parasite inside of our gut or H. pylori and some of these different evil critters inside of our gut that are absorbing all the food that we're eating, even if we're eating a healthy diet. And a lot of these nutrients might not be fully being absorbed into our body that our hormones need, our brain neurotransmitters need, and all this stuff. And that's just one piece of the pie. And, there, and there's many more that you can get into. But yeah, testing is so, so important. Um, looking at your body's toxic load, how well can it detoxify? How is your thyroid functioning? Um, 
you know, do you have any heavy metals inside of your body? What about mold exposure? Have you been exposed to that? That's a big one that people don't realize. And those can actually be stuck inside of your fat cells. Um, anyway, I could go on and on about this, but <laughs> lab testing is, is so, so important. And, you know, kind of circling back to the hormone piece, our cortisol levels should be the highest in the morning. Um, and lowest when we go to or to sleep. Um, but what happens is with melatonin is that so cortisol has an inverse relationship with melatonin. So melatonin is the master sleep hormone. It's that hormone that makes us feel sleepy and groggy um, before we get to sleep. But if our cortisol levels are high at night, then our melatonin levels are going to be low. And that's where it's going to give us this tired, but wired feeling. And then you look at somebody's lab test kits and you think, well, no wonder you can't sleep. A really funny game, fun game I play with clients sometimes is I'll see the lab test kits before they do. And I'll try and guess what their situation is based on what they tell me. I'll, I'll say to them, do you ever feel like, you know, you're burnt out in the morning, but then afternoon comes and you seem to get a crash. They're like, yeah, how'd you know? And then we show them lab tests and then sure enough, it, it plays out. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. Um, and so there's a question that came up in the Fred's Facebook group recently that as long as it came up, I might as well ask since we're here with the sleep consultant, somebody was asking um, about a prescription. I think it was a prescription sleep medication and Mm -hmm. wanting to get off of it, but knowing that when she doesn't take it, she literally doesn't sleep at all. So being sort of afraid to go through the process of not taking it because she knows she needs to sleep and being Mm -hmm. stuck in this rhythm of like, what do I do? Absolutely. Yeah. So a few different things I would say. The first is obviously work with your doctor. Any of this stuff, it's something that you can't take lightly. I mean, just doing a cold turkey, you can definitely experience really negative side effects. Um, you th- I mean, you think caffeine, not drinking caffeine for a period of time is bad. Some of the sleep medication can make you feel 10 times worse. But what I would say is everything that we talked about. So the more healthy your body is and the more resources that you have in building blocks to support your body, when you start slowly coming off and tapering, whatever that is with your doctor, the easier it will be and the less symptoms that you will have with that. So it could be a healthier diet because now you have less inflammation in your body. You start to get more naturally uh, tired because your circadian rhythm is more in sync that's supposed to be. Um, and with everything coming into alignment with just, it could be blood sugar with your diet, um, not exposing yourself to different kinds of inflammatory foods like gluten, dairy, eggs, that kind of thing. Um, but it could be supplements as well to really help um, provide that gateway and building blocks as you slowly start tapering off it. So for some people, it could be calming their mind if it's anxiety that's preventing them from sleeping. Like we talked about, it could be GABA, L-theanine, um, ashwagandha, magnesium, some of these ones. It could be um, an adaptogen to help them modulate their stress during the day. That's really what I would suggest to them. There's no one magic pill that you can take to counteract the effect of the side effects from you know the withdrawal symptoms. Everything will come into the, into alignment once you start implementing the right things. So basically, set yourself up as well as you can outside of that. Yes, exactly. And yeah. the healthier yeah. lifestyle you'll follow, the easier it will become with time. Yeah, and talk to your doctor. Yes. <laughs> don't, don't just pull yourself off sleep meds. Yeah. Please, exactly. please, please don't do that. And this is so we have everybody listen. Riley's in the group, in the Facebook group, so he can you know answer as much as you can within there. And we also have Eliza in the group, so we have two people that are focused on functional lab testing that are there to support you, that can do all these things. This is I know 
all of this information, but it is not my world. I don't like looking at the lab tests. I think they're fascinating to learn about and talk mm -hmm. about, but it is not my world. But there are people out there who live for this stuff. When you hear Riley talk about this right now, like he's into it. He wants to read your lab work. And <laughs> when you are working with somebody, when you're trying to figure out the functional medicine side of life, you should have somebody that feels that way about their work. So whether you're working with Riley, whether you're working with Eliza, whether you're working with somebody that is close to you, I think this is um, absolutely crucial to make sure that you're working with people who, first of all, are doing the work because it matters to them. Second of all, have done all the sorts of different experimentation sort of on themselves. So they know that what they're suggesting, they know what it, what the possibilities are. And third of all, somebody who's just really frigging into it. Yeah, I think you nailed it there for sure. That's so important. Yeah. All right, Riley, we're wrapping up slowly. If you had to, if there's a thousand people standing in front of you right now, because that's how many people are going to be standing in front of you within you know week one or so. So say there's a thousand people, they're in front of you right now. And mm -hmm. you have to give them a message. Mm -hmm. What would you tell them? I would say it's pretty easy is prioritize your sleep and life will be a lot, lot better. Listen, you guys, that was one sentence. One sentence. Usually people can be like, I'll make like a 30 minute <laughs> production out of this. And Riley's like, yeah. just please, please prioritize your sleep. They do not call him the sleep consultant for nothing. Riley, thank you so much. That was jam-packed with information. So I'm sure that there's going to be some questions that pop up. I'm glad you're in the group so that you can sort of help guide people. Absolutely. Remember everybody, we cannot give medical advice on the podcast or in Facebook groups. So should you need actual qualified care, please make an appointment with somebody. Um, basic questions, little things like we talked about today on the podcast, of course, but bigger things we always have to be consulting with. Our doctors, please remember that. Riley, thank you so much for being here. It was a pleasure. Thank you so much, Kate. Really appreciate it. All right, Fried fans, that wraps up another week of Fried the Burnout podcast. Go get your sleep. Until next time.